Welcome to the Tuttle Daily Podcast. This is episode 11, which means we are now in the third week of the infancy of this podcast. And I just want to thank everybody that has checked it out or at least just give it a chance. That's all I was asking. And, you know, I'm not on the radio anymore, so I don't have a way to be able to plug the content that I'm putting out. So the only way that I'm going to be able to help this podcast grow is because of you, the people that listen to this podcast, spreading the word on your social media anywhere that you can, letting people know about it. If you could do that for me, it would be greatly, greatly appreciated. If you want to check out my stuff, go to Tuttle.net. That is Tuttle.net. That on, on that site, you're going to be able to check out any of the things that are going on in my world with social media, YouTube, the podcast, everything is at Tuttle.net. If you go to TuttleTV.com, that's TuttleTV.com, that's going to take you directly to all my video content that you can check that out. I'm trying to put up a daily podcast every single day and at least two to three videos on my YouTube channel. So go to TuttleTV.com. You can also go to Tuttle.Podomatic.com. That's Tuttle.Podomatic.com. That's where all of my podcasts are are going to be. And I submitted it to iTunes uh, probably a couple weeks ago. I don't know how long it takes for them to be able to review the content that people submit. So hopefully it's going to be up on iTunes soon so you guys can get it that way because I know a lot of people use iTunes and it's more convenient and I'm also going to submit to the iHeartMedia app or the iHeartRadio app so you'll be able to check it out there as well. So let's get into today's show. And I actually had a really, really good weekend because I was able to reconnect with the two childhood friends of mine who I considered my best friends and that is my best friends Howard and Derek and pretty much all the way from probably about 13 until 24 we were inseparable and Derek it's funny because we never became friends until I actually got into a fight with him and we had been planning that. He was a little bit of a smart ass, uh, which I am now at this present time, but he had been messing with me and we had set up a time because we didn't live that far away from each other to fight each other. And let me tell you something, Derek was probably about 60, 50, 60 pounds heavier than me. He was really, really stocky, crazy as hell and was beating the absolute hell out of me. He was on top of me. Just, I, I thought he was going to kill me. And the only way that I was able to get him off of me was I bit his titty. I bit him as hard as I could. And he started screaming like a little girl and got off of me. And then he was really pissed off and I actually had to run to one of the guys because we fought at the uh, baseball fields where I play baseball all the time. And there was a groundskeeper out there working on the grass, cutting the grass. And I actually had to run to him like a little goddamn girl because I thought Derek was going to absolutely murder me after I bit him. And yes, I got messed with a lot through school saying, oh, you're a pussy. You had to bite him. And the way that I look at it and the way that I always was taught how to fight was there's no rules. There's no rules at all. You do whatever you have to do to win a fight, especially when you think you're going to die because an extremely bigger person than you is absolutely just beating your face to look like a, a, a TV dinner lasagna. That's how bad he was 
beating me. I busted nose, bleeding, cut eye. He beat the absolute living hell out of me. But the funny thing is, is that we became best friends. I pretty much stayed at his house every night that was not a school night. My mom would drop me off Friday after school and we would hang out the entire weekend. And it it was some of the greatest times of my life. Where Howard comes in is that Howard, one of his family members uh, through blood, was married to a member of Derek's family. So they were related through marriage. And we just were like the three amigos. We really didn't like get into anything. Yeah, we, we did a lot of drinking when we were younger and we used to go up to the convenience store. We would get like a bum or anybody to buy us Old English. That was one of the first beers that I ever had. We would buy what I, I know that they're not 40 ounces here in Florida, but we would go up there and they were only 99 cents for an Old English eight ball. And we would get a couple of those and come back and pretty much one of them would take me down like a, a blow dart on a rhinoceros, a tranquilizer. And uh, that was the beginning of my alcoholism, probably most likely in my life. It, it, it trained me and, and made me love the taste of alcohol at the time. And we, we really didn't get into any of the drugs. I know that they made fun of me and busted my ass because I uh, went off with this other dude in DeLeon Springs and smoked some weed with him. And I got really, really blitzed, like blazed hardcore and was incapacitated. And they were like messing with me because I was like one of the first people in the group to smoke a little bit of marijuana. And they busted my ass for it. They absolutely busted my ass. Howard and Derek absolutely busted my ass. So uh, Howard came over this weekend and he uh, fished with me uh, at the Hobo Fish Camp. We caught a lot of fish, uh, cooked out. It was a great, great time. And it was just awesome to be able to reconnect with people that you grew up with. I had not talked to them in probably 10 years uh, because I had been in Tampa working on Bubba's show, working with Calta at the Bone. So I've been on the other side of the state for that long and, and just lost connections with them. I actually have been trying to reconnect with one of the people uh, that was on the faculty of the high school that I went to and probably most likely and not most likely he definitely had the most impact on my life as a teenager he did by far I was kind of a outcast all through high school especially my freshman year and I wasn't the greatest basketball player but he uh Mr. Stowers Mr. Dave Stowers was one of uh the guys that meant the most to me at Pearson Taylor, Taylor High School up in Pearson, Florida. And he just helped me out. He, I would meet with him every day. He would give me advice and 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 help me out with just the smallest little things. And he would, you know, give me work on the weekends to uh, make some extra money. I would help him with the basketball team. I never really got a lot of playing time. I never made it to varsity, but I was on the team. And I was, I was more of like the equipment manager, but I got to go to all of the basketball games. I got out of school early a lot to help him out. Uh, Mr. Stowers was actually the main bus driver for the athletic department. So he drove the bus to all the sporting events for the football team, basketball team, baseball team. And he just was one of those guys that just connected with me and helped me out and gave me life advice when I needed to needed it the most at such a young age. And I'm, I'm sure all of you guys listening to this podcast have that 
special connection with somebody, a teacher, a guidance counselor, I don't care who it was that helped you shape your life in the most important years of of your uh, of your existence. I mean, that's where you're learning and how to deal with life situations. And I'd like to hear that. If you could email me Tuttle at gmail.com. That's Tuttle T U D D L E at gmail.com. And the reason I, I brought up Mr. Stowers was is because he had just recently wrote an arc article in the Deland Beacon, which is one of the local newspapers here, and he was a amazing college athlete. He played for the Stetson Hatters in DeLand and was tall as hell. And even at his age, I don't even know how old he is right now, but I'm sure he could ball out against anybody listening to this podcast right now and still beat you in a game of one-on-one. He he played for the 75 Stetson Hatters, which actually made the uh, NCAA March Madness Tournament. So he was pretty much the real deal. I think he played over in Europe as well, too, as a basketball ball player but I I'm sorry to go on a little bit of a rant I just had to you know give him a little bit of props because I read that article in the Deland Beacon about the 75 Stetson Hatter so uh, I would definitely like to hear about those people in your life that has made a connection and helped you and helped you give give you the tools uh, for the future and one of my favorite and fondest memories of Mr. Stowers was and I don't know if you know this but Vince Carter played at Mainland High School in Daytona Beach, and we had to play them one time, and Mr. Stowers introduced me to Vince Carter, and this is when he was still in high school, and they came to play us up in Pearson one time, and the whole basketball gym was packed standing room only to see this kid. Nobody even heard anything about Vince Carter. And Vince Carter came in and they absolutely destroyed us. We had never seen a guy be able to dunk the way that Vince Carter could. He was throwing it down hard core. He absolutely destroyed our team. And it was also the, uh, the Taylor hosted this annual Christmas basketball tournament and Mainland was a part of it. We would have like a three point and slam dunk contest. It was like a big, big weekend for the school. And he came out and pit on a absolute fucking clinic. Vince was like dunking from the free throw line. And I thought he was going to bring the roof down uh, because of how hard he was slamming the ball like I think he almost cracked the the glass backboard that it was just amazing to see a high school athlete that far more superior than any of the other athletes and as soon as you saw him you were like yep he's going to be playing in the NBA one day one day and and he was just it was it was a sight to see to be able to see Vince Carter before he even went to North Carolina to play and then play in the NBA and hell I think Vince maybe played up to last year and which that's pretty goddamn incredible for an NBA career for any player but while I'm on the topic of sports, I wanted to talk a little bit about this and give you my opinion about the Houston Astros cheating scandal. I played baseball four years varsity. I played a little bit of college ball. And I will admit, stealing signs is a part of the game, but not to the extent of what the Houston Astros did. What they did was absolutely disrespectful to the game of baseball, the game that I love so 
much. I'll admit, in high school, we had a player on the team, didn't get a lot of playing time, but he was one of those whiz kids, smart, and he was able to to figure out the signs from the other team. So he was able to let us know. But we were not using all these other technologies or cameras to be able to zoom in and steal the signs like the Astros were. What the Astros did, you know, some of this stuff is absolutely mind-boggling of what they did and how Major League Baseball is letting them get away with this. They had a camera stealing signs. I heard somewhere where they would beat on a trash can to let them know what pitch was coming. I heard they even took it as far as wearing a device underneath their jersey that would let them know the pitch, if it was going to be inside, outside. I mean, at that point, you're taking all of the fun out of the game by using all the technology that you have at your needs right now at this point in time. And what they did, I absolutely think that they should be stripped of their two championships. They really, really should. And on uh, while I'm on it, Pete Rose also deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. The guy never once betted against his baseball team to lose. He always bet on his team to win the game. And in my opinion, that gives you more incentive as a coach to do your best and give your team the tools to be able to win a baseball game. So I have no problem with what Pete Rose did. How are you keeping Pete Rose out of the Hall of Fame when he is the all-time hit leader? There's only two baseball players in the history of Major League Baseball, probably one of the oldest sports in the United States, professional sports in the United States, and there's only two people ever to hit 4,000 hits. One of them's in the Hall of Fame, and the other one is not in the Hall of Fame. So if they're not going to strip the Houston Astros of their World Series titles of what they did or give them a ban or, you know, they're just getting a slap on the wrist at this point, I think Pete Rose needs to be in the Hall of Fame, and there's no way anybody could ever debate me on that point. Pete Rose was too good and too important to the sport of Major League Baseball not to be at Cooperstown enshrined and have his bust in there for everybody to admire and worship the hit king of Major League Baseball. While we're on the topic of the Houston Astros, can we talk about the players that it absolutely affected? One being Clayton Kershaw, who is a stud as a pitcher, and everybody busted his balls about not being clutch in the playoffs. And Two of his worst games that he had ever pitched in the playoffs were against the Houston Astros. And he was a great pitcher all season long. And he got shelled for a lot of runs, got out of games early in those World Series. Because guess what? The Astros knew what pitch was coming. I'm sure that you're going to stack the odds in your favor, especially if you're going against a pitcher like Clayton Kershaw, who had an amazing season and got shellacked in the World Series because the Astros knew what was coming. You're giving such a big advantage to the hitters when you know what's coming. And that's what's great about baseball, that chess game between hitter and pitcher. Hey, is he going to throw me a fastball in the first pitch? No. Oh, man, he is a curveball pitcher. He's going to throw me curveballs. I know it's coming inside or outside. Yes, all 
you have to do is throw the bat out there and make contact. It's much easier when you know what's coming. And I read somewhere where there were a couple of Houston Astro players that signed other deals with teams based on the fact of great batting averages that they had while they were on the Astros. I think one of the players got one of the, I think, top 10 uh, contracts in Major League Baseball history based on what he did with the Houston Astros. And ever since he's not been on the Astros, he's played like absolute dog shit. So not only, I, I think it was with the Twins, the Twins signed the player. The Twins got absolutely screwed out of that deal because they bought a player that knew what pitch was coming. So if I was the Twins, I'd come after the Astros as well. A lot of debt needs to be taken care of when it comes to the scandal in Major League Baseball. And this is right up here, right up there with the steroid scandal when Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire ended up hitting all those home runs and saving baseball. And I don't have a problem with them using steroids, uh, but you got to keep the rules for everybody. If it wasn't for steroids, baseball might be dead at this point because if Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire weren't hitting all those home runs, I think people would have walked away from the game because that strike in the mid-90s absolutely killed any of the momentum that Major League Baseball had built up with the fans of the sport. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about, and I saw this a couple of times this this weekend, and that's why it made me think about this. And I, more than anybody, love my dad, my parents, especially my dad. He was my baseball coach, one of my best friends, and Through the existence of my life, I have never once kissed my dad on the lips. And I'm sorry if I'm offending anybody, but I find it creepy as fuck if you kiss your son. Now, it's a different story, and yes, I know it's a double standard, a mom and a son or a, well, I don't know, a father and a daughter is pretty goddamn weird, too. How about this? Let's just be on the safe side and let's cut out all kissing between parents and their children on the lips. Yes, you can kiss on the lips, hug, do all that you want to. But I just find it creepy as hell to kiss your parents on the lips. And I would like to hear from you guys and find out. I want to do like a little bit of a poll and find out, do you, have you kissed your parents on the lips or have you kissed your children on the lips? I want to know the rules because I'm 40 years old and I do not have kids. So I really have a hard time debating or having any opinion on this situation because like I said I've never had kids but from an outside looking in I just find it absolutely creepy when a father and son kiss on the lips it's just weird and and maybe I'm just taking it the wrong way I'm just not used to it and I know it's something that I've never done I And trust me, I'm not homophobic at all or anything like that. That's not the problem that's bothering me with the guy-on-guy kissing on the lips. No, that's not the case at all. I just find it very incestual to kiss your parents on the lips, especially a father and a son duo. But if you have a chance, go to my YouTube page, go to TuttleTV.com, and the latest video that I post here in Oak Hill, I, I fish on the Indian River and then across is a bunch of like marshland and then the national seashores over there. And they were doing a bunch of controlled burns yesterday. And I did this cool, amazing time-lapse photography of all the smoke 
billowing up over the horizon. And it came out really, really good. I sent it to a lot of the news media. I know a couple of them played it, but they didn't fucking plug me at all. And that's what I asked them to do. I said, if you're going to use this video, at least give me credit for it. Uh, but I digress on that whole part. But the fires, they were burning all day long. And it got to the point where later in the day when the wind shifted, that ash, big pieces of ash were falling out of the sky and landing on the ground. And it, it really brought me back to the time. And I know tr uh, Florida is a transient state and a lot of people have moved here and probably don't remember this. But it brought me back to 1998 and the wildfires that basically were devastating Central Florida, especially in Flagler and Volusia County. And, and people don't realize this. Yes, you hear of a lot of wildfires, but this was bad. They basically evacuated about 80 to 90 percent of the people in Volusia County. And I know for a fact that they evacuated the whole county of Flagler. I'm not lying. Those two counties were on fire. Everywhere you looked, you would just drive down the road. Oh, man, there's a big brush fire on the right. Drive down the road another couple miles, there's a brush fire on the left. This is when I first started working with the Ron and Fez show, and I had to drive from DeLeon Springs all the way to Daytona Beach to get to the radio station at Black Crow Broadcasting. And there was one time whenever I got off the air at 1030 and I was driving back from the radio station and on both sides of me for at least 10 miles on 92. And I must have got through there at a certain time before they shut off the road. But on the left and the right side of me on Highway 92, leaving from Day Daytona Beach to DeLand was absolute a fucking inferno everywhere you looked right to left fire 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 it was one of the most scariest experiences that i have ever had in my life and you could feel the heat in the car even with the windows up you could feel the heat and and there was one time and god this is going to date it i went to the movies to go see Armageddon after the radio show one morning and I watched it and I, this is right when I got a cell phone and I wasn't getting the phone calls. My mom was at home all alone in DeLeon Springs and had to throw all of our valuables out of our double wide trailer into the back of the truck through a full size suitcase that had to be at least a hundred pounds in the back of the truck, got our Basset Hound Lewis in the truck and got got out of there just in time and it was it was amazing but my mom it just shows you what adrenaline can do to your body and the stuff that you can do when you're kind of freaked out and and it was a very very scary time I was also working a part-time job at Winn Dixie and Deland I was the overnight stock guy and you'd walk out on your brakes and you walk out and it, it was like it was snowing in Florida that was the closest thing I've ever come to seeing snow fall from the sky I've seen snow on the ground going up north when I was, uh, you know, visiting my in-laws. I would see it on the ground, but I've never seen snow fall out of the sky. But this was ash. It was 
ash everywhere. You'd have ash on your car, ash on the ground, everywhere it was ash. And I and I'm sure a lot of people were having problems with breathing and stuff like that during that time. And it was just a very, very bad time. If you want to Google it, just search the 1998 wildfires in Florida, especially Volusia County and Flagler. While I've been off for the last four months, I've been watching a lot of daytime TV. And one of the shows that I came across was the Kelly Clarkson show. And I probably most of you guys have not been able to watch it yet. But when I first like early 2000s or whenever she got popular, but I had one of the biggest crushes on Kelly Clarkson. I just loved all of her music. And you cannot deny, don't hate, don't be one of those guys. I'm not going to support anybody from American Idol. Kelly Clarkson was the shit. Kelly Clarkson wrote catchy songs. She had great hooks and she was popular. And I I thought she was gorgeous. I, I thought Kelly Clarkson was absolutely beautiful. And yes, this happens to everybody. I don't look like I did when I first started. But man, she let herself go a little bit from having those kids and and now she's starting to get back a little bit to what she was she's not there yet but I've been watching her show the Kelly Clarkson show and I don't know like how I feel about this is that before her talk show, she always sings. She does a performance. She sings a song that somebody picks in the audience. And and I just don't know if that's like an ego thing. Like, yes, I got a talk show, but I got to show you what I did before this talk show and, and, and show off by singing a song. Is, is that like an ego thing to her? Do you have a problem with her like having to sing a song before every show that she does? Because it just looks like, oh man, she's full of herself and she's still trying to live that lifestyle of when she first became famous you know you're you're a talk show host now just do the talk show and she's getting some pretty decent guests but she does slip into that you know type of you know stereotypical talk show type stuff and they'll have people with those heartwarming stories and you know what I'm talking about and then she'll have some big stars on and her interviews are pretty good she gives the the stars a lot of uh softball questions and I, I'd have a lot more respect for her if she just like went balls to the walls and and tried to ask some pretty hard hitting questions but she is Kelly Clarkson uh, but guys I really really appreciate you guys listening to today's podcast tune in tomorrow please help share and spread the word about this podcast tuttle.podomatic.com you can go to tuttle.net that's Tuttle.net. Yes, I could not get Tuttle.com. It was too way too expensive for me. You can also go to TuttleTV.com. That'll take you to all my video stuff. You can follow me on all my social media. I'm on way too much of it. You can find that from Tuttle.net. And if you want to comment, you can email me Tuttle, T-U-D-D-L-E at gmail.com. I try to reply to everybody. I would like to hear any comments or questions from you guys. And I'll maybe I'll use them on the air. You guys, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. I'll talk to you tomorrow.